Hi, and welcome to Business Ready, hosted by me, Penny Haslam. For this new series, we're moving away from our focus on Brexit to explore broader issues impacting the SME space right now. This mini-series for the London Business Hub will help businesses to navigate the challenges and opportunities in each of these episodes, we feature business owners and experts to discuss what's happening in the world of SMEs at the moment. And today, we're talking about digital and how SMEs can make the most of the opportunities presented by digital for their business. To discuss this and more, I'm joined by Julian Mobbs, who's a senior business advisor and entrepreneur, Greg Meeson, who runs Technically Innovative Business Refinery Works, Cheryl Luzet, CEO of digital marketing agency Wagada, and Alex Ede, who's a marketing manager at Footprint Digital. So let's get to know you. Julian, let's start with you because you were first on my list of names I read out. <laughs> you tell us a little bit about yourself and what brings you to this discussion on digital. Sure. Uh, well, I'm Julian Mobbs. I've been in business for 25 years myself. Um, so I started my career in, corp in the corporate world, primarily in media, actually, 10 years with Channel 4 Television, Warner Music, News International, and then moved on to very much digital businesses. Um, so I headed up a incubation business for Cambridge University Press and then uh, moved on from there to a uh, running a Californian-based uh, ed tech business. So very much entrenched in business myself. I and I currently run, run my own business as well as being a business advisor for two different labs. And then we come to Greg Meeson. Greg, you run a what I've described as a technically innovative business, Refinery Works. But what is that? Describe it for us. Refinery really is kind of come into existence by merging two really different worlds together. So uh, I've got 15 years background working as a digital artist. I've partnered that with uh, a friend who um, is a, an expert in conservation of historic wood. Uh, so he's working in an industry that is, uh, well, as ancient and traditional as, as the things that he's repairing. And we've found ways to completely uh, integrate digital into that process, which is, it's been untouched for hundreds of years. And, and now we're finding uh, by partnering that with digital, we can bring great new capabilities and efficiencies and, and possibilities to a, uh, a very, very traditional industry. Gosh, it is, it is traditional, isn't it? That's basically what I would consider to be woodwork but I'm sure there's a better word for it. <laughs> well, yes, I, I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, the conservation and restoration of, of historic wood, ornately carved uh, ancient wood, um, you know, using processes that have remained sort of, to a degree, untouched for hundreds of years. My, my business partner, he's, he's uh, carving wood with, with chisels as pretty much as old as the wood itself. To, to kind of be able to bring digital into that has been sort of quite disruptive. In, in how things have always been done. And it's bringing an absolute sort of watershed moment of what we can achieve. Okay, well, not only is it disruptive, it's intriguing as well. So I hope you'll tell us more about that in a moment. Cheryl Luzet, tell us about yourself and the business you run. Does digital run through you as well? Yes, I think it probably does actually. So um, so I set up Wagada Digital um, just over over 10 years ago we had our 10 years anniversary this year which was quite exciting um, but I'd worked in agencies in London previous to that um, and set up the business when um, after I'd had my second child so looking for a bit more flexibility um, so we've got offices in St Albans and Cheltenham but we work with clients all across the world uh, because you can with digital you know you don't have to have all that face-to-face -face contact when you work with clients digitally so that's one of the one of the massive advantages um, and we quite often work with in-house marketing managers to give them access to, um, to those digital skills that they might not have, potentially because they're not digital native. And I think that's one of the challenges of many business owners is that if you are of a certain age, you might not be a digital native. And that, that's when it starts to become quite challenging, I think, to embrace some of these digital marketing tactics. 
I'd imagine so, especially if you're looking to recruit. Like, do you know some stuff about computers? Yes, you've got the job. It might not be quite appropriate. So, yeah, that's interesting aspect of it. And last but not least, Alex Ede, Marketing Manager at Footprint Digital. You've got digital running through you as well, haven't you? Yeah, so I'm the, as you said, the Marketing Manager for Footprint Digital, which is a digital marketing agency specialising in search engine optimization, um, paid media, conversionary optimization, and content as well. Um, so I actually studied politics and sociology and kind of had no real intention of getting involved in digital until my now boss, Tom, gave a lecture um, and spoke about all of the ways that digital could help any organisation in the world achieve so much more. And that really sparked my interest. That was seven years ago now. And since then, I've worked in digital, both agency side and also in-house at um, Gordon Ramsay Restaurants in London, which has kind of given me, I think, insight into lots of different industries and the ways that digital can be used for kind of for anyone, really. It sounds like you're going to be our evangelist for digital, having had your own epiphany um <laughs> what a great story to say like wow I heard about it I understood it and wanted to be part of it so yeah I can I'm looking forward to hearing more of your passion for that thank you okay so I'm really keen to set the scene for what on earth digital is because I know a lot of people listening and <clears throat> some people presenting the podcast might be keen to understand the terms we're talking about. And maybe the, within the world of digital, there is a kind of different schools of or different thoughts or different ways thing. You know, Cheryl, let's start with you. you. You can give us a steer on this. What do we mean by digital? And what's the difference between saying, oh, I work in digital or I work in tech? You know, because the two seem interchangeable. That might be an ignorant question but please set set the scene for us sure no absolutely and i think when we're talking about digital we're talking about things that happen online we're talking about online marketing um we're talking about connecting with with people with potential customers through online means so this could be through social media um websites it could be through email marketing or sending text messages I think one of the key things that makes it different potentially to more traditional media is that it's not all about selling and it's more about engaging. It's about helping your customers to get to know you, um, helping to build relationships with those people, building your brand um, and really getting out sort of positive messages. So when people build up an impression of you, that when they receive a more of a sales message, that they actually want to go and, go and buy from you because that trust is already there. So building relationships, engaging, increasing profile, social selling, is that what it is? Potentially, yes. I mean, I think I don't really like to use the word selling in a way because it's not selling. It's more about building a relationship. Um, and I think obviously the end goal is to build your business and to sell more products, more services. But really, the key has to come back to, to that relationship and that trust that's being built so that when people are ready for your products and services, you're the obvious person that, that they think of to come to. Digital for you. Cheryl there sort of given us a very sort of marketing-led description. Would you agree, Cheryl, that was quite, you know, it's, it's mm. talking to people and engaging and building relationships as a marketing tool, possibly part of marketing. Julian, what would you describe digital as? I describe it as um, well. It's all, all of the all of the above, but it's also automating whatever you can in the business, um, wherever you can in the business. So it's about uh, optimizing your processes. It's about bringing in digital products and services that can actually help make your staff or yourself, if you're a sole trader, operate most efficiently and effectively. Uh, it's it's about being more productive. So ultimately, what that means is digital can apply to any process within a business, of course, financial processes, sales, marketing processes, HR processes. And to some degree, it's about wherever you can, removing the element of human error, for example. Interesting and perfect for SMEs, of course, you know, often as one woman, one man bands or small teams, 
time and efficiency are vital, aren't they? So is it becoming a situation, though, where most businesses are digital? And Julian, are there any sectors that you think, come on, (laughs) why are you still operating in paper or why are you still doing it that way? Is it kind of, are we getting to a point where we probably don't need to mention the word digital anymore? It's a fact of life. It is a fact of life. I mean, we're probably more digital in our personal lives, uh, well, certainly uh, particular generations are, uh, than we are in our business lives. I would say, you know, businesses, more traditional businesses, I mean, take the banking sector, that's a classic business sector, which, um, you know, the, you know, high street banks have been overtaken by these smaller, more flexible entirely digital banks so that you know you interact because of course they give a far uh, and more uh, engaging customer experience than than the larger banks so that's that's just one example of course there are many other sectors obviously driven by the likes of the large bear moths you know amazon google microsoft and and apple in particular uh, of course everything that we do now uh, is is digital even at Christmas and no doubt most of us bought our Christmas presents online this year. Even my mum Julian sent me an e-card do you know what I mean? There we go. It's efficiency isn't it in actions <laughs> so the uh, so fundamentally the tech firms are obviously stealing a march on digital years ago but goodness let's go back to the conservation and restoration business or woodworking. Greg tell us more about that and how digital is now at the centre of what Refinery Works does. Julian just did a pretty good uh, description of us uh, in that we are uh, a very small outfit, but there's two of us. And the digital uh, introduction into this is bringing uh, an efficiency. It's uh, replacing some processes um, and completely transforming what we can achieve, how quickly we can achieve it. and. Um, I should probably probably just sort of take you into a, a quick map out of, of how we're working now, because I suppose historically it's a very traditional industry and it would be working directly with timber, uh, using traditional tools to um, take it to very fine, ornately carved shapes. Um, what we've actually done is introduce digital uh, not so much in the efficiencies of how we communicate with people, um, but how we actually produce. So um, in the first instance, we're using 3D digital handheld scanning to capture the form of structures uh, in need of re- repair or replace. And then we're using that with 3D digital modeling to create a kind of digital heart to the project, which is radically different to what would have been achieved before with kind of traditional uh, drawings and measurements. We're using this to to then drive a lot of digitally-led technology. So in the main, CNC cutting, which for anyone that doesn't understand CNC, uh, if you think uh, a cutting, a cutter bit, a drill bit that can move on three axes and be told where to cut into any, any object, a timber in our case, And so that's actually voiding down wood. It's taking away uh, the bulk and leaving you with a very near form. That's like a superhero of woodworking, isn't it? It's extraordinary. Uh, You set it running (laughs) and and you just watch this thing finding its form. Um, Interestingly, we're not using it to replace traditional process. We are using it to kind of uh, uplift. Uh, I'm going to try that again because I can't find a word for some reason in my head. but we're using sure. it as, as a platform to assist and promote the traditional skill because this, the final process is still hand carving, finding the final surface with the fidelity and the detail and the crispness. But the digital process is a revolution in efficiency because we're taking away extreme amounts of manual labor, voiding out work, mental gymnastics of what to cut from where and how. Uh, a project we recently completed, uh, a very, very ornate. Uh, fire surround I think realistically would have been oh who wanted one of those Greg ah no that which (laughs) you know mm, you say ornate fireplace tell us a bit more about the customer okay well this was for Stowe House over in Buckinghamshire it's one of the sort of great palladial mansions of of the country and they are undergoing 
10 years of, of restoration work, bringing it back to its, its full glory. And we, uh, we were tasked with recreating faithfully a uh, Vincenzo Valdre uh, 17th century fire surround, uh, which is exceptionally ornate. Practically every inch of it is heavily carved with detail. We were able to work with a 3D digital scan, recreate it in a way that was both extraordinarily technically accurate, but still had the, the visual language of carved wood about it uh, by integrating traditional and digital. And we produced something which I suppose in, in a kind of traditional route would have been two or three years work, produced a, a very, very high standard piece in about nine months. And Alex, you've heard what has been said about what we mean by digital and, you know, Greg there explaining how it works in his business. What kind of challenges in the digital space do SMEs experience generally? It's a really good question. And I think one of the biggest challenges that we see SMEs who come to us experiencing is something that we've actually dubbed the head chef syndrome. And this is essentially that SME marketing departments are usually kind of very small. I mean, in, in my department, there's just two of us. So that's that's kind of a good example. Um, and this does lead to, to one or two people being expected to do everything in digital. And digital is a growing thing um, every year, um, every month, more and more is added to what a digital marketing manager can do. And it just kind of becomes impossible for one person to get to grips with and successfully implement everything. So SEO, paid search, content strategy, social campaigns, user testing, and kind of anything else that can fall under a, a digital remit. And we say that like a, a head chef, a marketing manager should instead be able to delegate these tasks out and, and kind of focus on the core things. So that's strategy for the business, management and, and budgeting. I also think that if you can start to delegate, um, that means that all of the changes that are happening in the digital industry can be kept up with and no one person can really do that that is going to be a huge challenge for SMEs Massive. who oh you know you you crave expansion sometimes you know sometimes you don't but you the the idea of oh I just wish I had another pair of hands I just wish I had somebody who knew how to do this I would say that was the biggest barrier to accessing fully and properly the digital space would you would you agree Absolutely. And it means people are, are kind of spreading themselves far too thin. And take SEO, for example. I mean, you have Google algorithm updates that are constant. Um, there's changes to software, there's changes to technical improvements. Um, there are constantly new things that you can be doing. And it is impossible for one or two people to keep up with everything. Um, and it, it just frustrates people. A lot of the clients that come to us are kind of massively overwhelmed with the digital space. They're frustrated that they can't get the results that they want. Um, and it's because they're trying to do too much. It's working on the business way too much rather than in the business and serving customers, serving clients yes. and, and getting the word out there and building relationships. When actually you've got the bonnet up on MailChimp. <laughs> trying to work out how to work it exactly, um, and spending half a day doing that. I mean, that's just, it's having faith in making le the leap to either hiring an agency or an individual, a freelancer to help support you in it, knowing that it will be good for your business. But that's an expenditure a lot of SMEs aren't willing to take right now, isn't it? Yes, I would, I would say so. I think um, especially since the, um, the pandemic, a lot of people have realised that digital is, is key to pivoting their offerings and to kind of being able to to survive um, but also growth I mean we've seen so much digital growth over the last couple of years um, we are seeing more and more people needing agencies because they want to do more in digital but they don't know kind of where to go or how to do it and and they just don't have the time and it, I, I do think it is that delegation and understanding that as a marketing manager in an organisation, it's your job to strategise and to budget and to make sure that what you're doing focuses on your business goals. But it is also your job to hand over tasks to experts who kind of can help you um, achieve what you want to achieve and exceed what you want to achieve as well. And that's the challenge, isn't it, for a lot of business owners or marketing managers in small firms, is that you perhaps don't know what you don't know. Yes. Cheryl, how could you um, educate, well, Cheryl or Julian, actually, how can you educate on this 
um, or how can you educate yourself on this so you feel a bit more confident maybe when you're hiring somebody or asking someone the right question to get the answer that you need? I think it's really tricky um, if you don't know what you don't know to make sure that you're hiring the right person. So um, I know sometimes when we're doing a pitch, a client might bring in um, a consultant or a business consultant who can support on helping to recruit the right person. But I, I do think, you know, it is very tricky for a small business owner to make sure they have the right agency. And, you know, when we take on new clients, it's quite often because they are disappointed with, with the work that a previous agency might have done. Um, so I think there's a lot of information out there that people can use to educate themselves about digital marketing. But actually, you know, you've got your day job to do at the end of the day. So, um, you know, I think it would be very difficult for a business owner to, um, to, to really upskill themselves on digital marketing enough in order to be able to make sure they're, they're making those right decisions when they're taking on, you know, either a member of staff or an agency to do the work for them. So we've been working for a couple of years with a large group of nurseries, so children's nurseries. So they have about 35 children's nurseries on their books. And this is a company that's grown very, very rapidly over the past sort of five, six years through acquisition. So um, they've been buying nurseries and, um, you know, really pushing more children through them, but without using any marketing at all, which is quite interesting. And actually, when we first started working with them, they weren't even using, you know, official email addresses, which ended in their domain name. You know, some of them are still using Hotmail email addresses now. So they were really quite a long way from being in a position to be able to um, take their digital strategy forward. And I think when we first met them, they were quite keen to keep their budgets very low. They wanted a very cheap website. And we had to really work with them to educate them that actually a cheap website, considering they're a multi-million pound business, was not going to really generate what they needed. Um, we worked with them to help them understand about paid social media, how that could help them to support their goals. And I think it was very much baby steps with them, really, to, to help them see um, what the return on investment could be, what the potential return could be for their investment. And they started off as quite a small client with, I think they were only spending sort of like a thousand pounds a month. And by, you know, by sort of the earlier on this year, they were spending 20,000 pounds a month. So it really was a journey that we took them on, but because we were able to show them as we went along what the return on investment was for each activity, then uh, it put them in a position where they felt confident to be able to invest. Julian, is that what you're seeing? Other businesses taking baby steps and then realising, oh, actually, this is paying off. Let's do some more. Uh, absolutely. So I'd, I'd say the first step might be for a business to seek uh, advice from their local business growth hub. Uh, there are growth hubs all over, well, certainly England. Uh, so 38 leps in England, each of which has a growth hub, you know, manned by people like me, you know, experienced business advisors who can genuinely help businesses and business owners um, understand the landscape better, understand, allow them, if you like, to take a step back, first of all, to determine, you know, which areas of their business they might want to address first, perhaps digitally, in, in order to give them the space to focus on the areas of the business that they should be focusing on, such as strategic direction, vision. When I look at a business, I, I look at three different areas of the business. Number one is people, number two is product or service, and number three is processes. And it's understanding each of those. You, you always start with people, of course, and people not just being your staff or you if you're, if you're a sole trader, but also your suppliers, how you can maximize or optimize the value that they can bring. Of course, your customers um, and any other advisors you might be working with. Um, so, uh, yes, that's the long answer to your question. Um, you always start with a particular project, see how that you know, develops for you before expanding into other uh, or, or taking on other digital uh, uh, products or services that can help, uh, you know, improve the efficiencies in your business. So, Greg, let me come to you now. You are one of two 
in a small business. You are the digital guru of the duo. <laughs> How do you recommend other businesses follow in your lead? Well, for us, it was finding uh, that digital could offer something new. And I think across the board, whether you're looking in, in kind of very uh, sort of people-based uh, digital uh, with, with digital marketing or, you know, even broadening it out to uh, how digital gets involved in manufacture and, and so on. There is, uh, I, I think it's very easy to look at this as a, a new industrial revolution. Digital is offering a transformative role in, in business now. So for us, it was about the way that digital adds a workforce effectively. Um, we're literally using machines that are performing the actions of many people and we can we can control them set them running and scale them in a way that that uh, brings extraordinary benefit to us but across the board we need to embrace digital uh, in as many ways as possible but automate out things that are repetitively hard work and and, and arduous and time consuming and uh, I think throughout our entire process of what we produce, but also how we're trying to run our business, how we're trying to connect and communicate with potential new clients and form really meaningful relationships in quite a small industry. Uh, digital kind of runs throughout all of that. And what would you say to another business owner? Say you met them at a networking event and they went, you what? You do conservation and restoration and your digital. What is that? What's that all about? And it gets them thinking and they say to you, how can I do this? Do I need um, a big cash reserve in order to invest in the equipment or, you know, other bodies in the building to, to you know, to do this, to run this? What would your suggestion be to them? I, I would think that now is, is exactly that moment where that's maybe stopping being the case. Uh, there is that threshold moment where... Previously, if, if we tried to start this business, which we're only about two years into now, prior to now, these, these types of digitally-based machinery were prohibitively expensive. There's a, a, a flood of progress uh, that runs through from, from the explosion of uh, 3D printing, uh, which is running very similarly to CNC, and becoming accessible to a much, much larger market. Digital handheld scanning, which is really a kind of a huge cornerstone of what we're doing, is something that we would never have dreamed of being able to uh, get involved in uh, or afford in any way. So I think these sort of digital technologies, you know, a lot of it equipment-based for us, but a lot of it just very kind of software-based as well, is, is sort of exploding into what anybody can get hold of now. Anybody can take on and find ways to integrate into what they're doing in useful ways. So maybe it's a case of revisit your thinking on the costs or the, the time it takes to understand the software, et cetera, rather than going on what you experienced maybe when you looked into it five years ago. Um, things have become, things have democratised, prices have come down. Would that be your suggestion? I think that's definitely true. But also maybe just rethinking how you approach anything. I think, I think my example is possibly uh, a little extreme in the extremely historic nature of that industry so it's quite a chalk and cheese combination to, to pair a, a digital artist with a uh, expert in the conservation of historic wood I mean it's a it's a beautiful dovetailing oh love the pun there Greg oh no Julian let me come to you now um you must have had a lot of clients walk through your door um, with a need that digital will help with? How have you helped businesses adapt to the digital world? Where's your starting point? What sort of businesses have you worked with? Well, let me give you an example of a business that uh, certainly benefited from uh, Im improvements in processes, but, you know, fundamental digital processes. So a small specialist book publisher reached a certain level of sales they a lot of what they did was very manual in terms of how they recorded the sales, uh, how they kept in touch with existing customers using, you know, sort of Excel spreadsheets and, uh, you know, basic packages. Um, and what they 
w w the advice was, my advice was, and they've, they've since embraced that, is to upgrade to a what's called a, a CRM or customer relationship management system, which is basically a, a large database that allows them to track interactions with every type of customer from you know, private individual or consumer customers uh, to uh, then expand into wholesale book trade as well. So they've, they were able to target new customer section, uh, sectors better um, and, and grow uh, you know, what, what, what are called business-to-business -business sales, i.e. through the book trade, as well as their, their own uh, individual, you know, where they're selling directly to the public. And not just in the UK, they were able to do this, you know, worldwide. So by capturing all of the necessary information in their uh, CRM system, they were able to be far more efficient and targeted in how they not only dealt with existing customers, because, of course, what you want to do with existing customers is upsell them on new products that, or new books, in this case, that they were bringing out, but also target more effectively new customer groups based on the new books that they were bringing out. They also uh, ensured that this CRM system dovetailed with their finance uh, system, uh, online finance system, so that data, of course, flowed seamlessly from the CRM system into their finance system as well. And they've since added a stock management system to that chain. So what they've managed to achieve, and they're continuing to build this solution, um, is a seamless end-to-end -end solution where data travels seamlessly from, from one system into another uh, without any human intervention. I mean, other than, uh, you know, in the, you know, when they're initially putting in, inputting data. So they've, not only have they been able to grow their market substantially i mean you're talking about 50 percent growth year on year uh, in terms of sales but they've also been able to save um, uh, themselves ultimately at the end of the day our most valuable commodity is time and that's what they've been able to save uh, huge amounts of time in manual data entry um, that they were previously doing and, and doing it inefficiently as well. Cheryl and Alex, you work with smaller businesses, helping them to think through what digital could be for them and making the most of it in the way that Julian's just described. You know, that business going 50% growth year on year is phenomenal. Um, what are the key things then to think through when it comes to wrapping your arms around digital for small businesses? I think one of the key things is about being authentic and about um, helping your potential customers to, to get a sense that they're getting to know you. I think that familiarity that leads to a, you know, a relationship being developed that can then be carried on into potentially a situation where the, you know, the person actually buys from you. Um, and one of the ways you can do that is by showing rather than telling so, and that's one of the beauties of social media in that your messages can be very visual. So you don't have to use words to describe something. You can show, um, you can show what it's like to work somewhere. You can show what sort of team you're like and that you can be trusted. And I think that makes it much more impactful. Um, but it also makes it a little bit challenging because you have to, you have to really dig deep, I think, into getting, getting the culture and the sense of that business out onto social media, onto your website, so that people start to feel a bit of that connection. This is a question to any of you. Any resources that you would point small businesses to in terms of getting their focus right before they even begin to start thinking about a digital strategy? For me, one of the big next steps was actually getting in touch with our business growth hub for the area. Had a lot of support from them. We've had a lot of advice, uh, not least from Julian, actually in finding those next steps for us in, in using digital as a, as a tool for expanding our business, for, for reaching out and, and connecting with the industry. Um, and then also there are opportunities for us, like us being able to enter into the, the Novo Award, which we, we ended up winning a gold award with them for our, our digital work. Uh, it all helps create a great sort of platform for us to, to, to move forward on. And Julian, when seeking advice, would you 
as a business owner, specifically ask for someone who knows and is passionate about digital uh, before you get an advisor who perhaps is as in the dark as you are? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I mean, my, my specialism is digital, um, if it can be a specialism, uh, because I think this is the point about digital. We, we, we use, well, many of us, uh, other than perhaps, you know, and here's stereotyping for you, but the, the very, the, very much the older generation, perhaps less so, but the younger generation, for sure, have grown up with digital. It's just part of what they do, who they are. So um, I think the, the, the point is to speak with somebody who has, I mean, there are a lot of business owners, in fact, who get it off a lot of very good advice from their children where they have them. So, uh, you, you know, I, I think the important thing is not to be afraid. Uh, it's there to, uh, of course, any digital product or service is there to, uh, you know, improve efficiencies, help you and uh, your, your business. It's, it's, it's there to enable you to spend more time doing the things that humans are meant to do, uh, which is interacting, um, interacting with other people, uh, you know, strategizing, you know, focusing on areas of the business that, that, that ultimately, you know, only humans can, can focus on. So, so I think in, in, its, in its sort of simplest sense, that's what you're trying to do with digital. Julian makes an interesting point there, doesn't he, uh, Cheryl, that um, digital is now something that maybe the older generation have to um, reference a bit like maybe when washing machines came in and we called them automatic washing. <laughs> you know, we had to <laughs> caveat everything with it being automatic. Um, maybe dropping digital from your uh, title of marketing agency, maybe that just is how it is. It's a tautology with it in nowadays. Mm, absolutely. I think about some business owners having to ask for help from their children about, you know, how to move forward with, with digital. But it's definitely something that we've seen, particularly when it comes to thinking about um, slightly larger businesses that maybe have a marketing director. Um, you know, they often don't invest as much in digital as they probably should or could because that marketing director doesn't really have a head for digital and doesn't really understand the return as it could be as much as maybe a younger person would who has hands-on experience having having done digital marketing themselves. But I think it's certainly a challenge for business owners when you're not a digital native to, um, to really get, get very close and understand how digital marketing works and what the benefits are. Great. Okay. So, so team, we've discussed the challenges. We've looked at how we might go around wrapping our arms around digital. I just want to finish by asking you all about the future for digital. Um, Alex, is digital sustainable? Is it part of helping us achieve net zero? Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting one. And I think everyone thinks about how they can be kind of more sustainable offline. So getting public transport, buying less, etc. But I don't think that many people realise that our online presence also has an impact on the environment. And one statistic that put this into perspective for me that I saw last year and just kind of made me go, wow, is that research by, um, I think it was a Channel 4 documentary, a Dispatches documentary, found that an average Instagram post by Cristiano Ronaldo, who I think has the most followers on, on Instagram, it actually uses as much energy as 10 houses in the UK does in a year um, through all of the, the engagement and the likes and the comments and things, which is just crazy that you can think about one Instagram post using that much energy. And in fact, there's there's research that suggests that the internet is actually responsible for around 2% of, of global greenhouse gas emissions, which is about the same as the aviation industry. And Alex, w briefly, why is that? Is that these jumbo servers in the desert in the west of America, I don't know, pumping through your latest Zoom video? Yes, it's um, it's servers and it's all of the, the electricity and, and a kind of energy that's that's needed to actually the internet you know, and, and, and make it something that we can use. So um, I'm not I'm not the most uh, able to talk about it in the most technical way, but yes, that, that's essentially what it is. Um, and it means that every video we watch, um, every song, every podcast, uh, every search, all of that adds up and, and does have a carbon footprint. Um, so it's not as sustainable as we might think, or it definitely has uh, an impact that we need to think about 
and to combat that I think that in the future well now and in the future businesses need to be thinking sustainably about how we use digital um there are actually web designers out there now who specialize in building sustainable websites um actually in in March this year we switched our hosting provider to a green host um which resulted in them them telling us that our, our web pages are, are greener than 55% of other pages that they've tested um so that's a, a step in the right direction it's not perfect but it's a step um and actually our our company our, our technical department are working to build a digital carbon calculator um that we're going to be bringing out in the new year which will help businesses to measure the carbon of their entire website the carbon output of their website we're really excited to to be able to bring digital sustainability products to our clients in the future. I think it's something that businesses are are becoming more aware of, but again, it's it's not the area that you think of as as unsustainable. And there are kind of a lot of technical changes that you can make to a website to make it greener, so really simple things like reducing image sizes, um increasing load speeds that will help to reduce um, carbon because it takes less energy to load a page um, but I also think businesses need to start tying sustainability into their content strategies so when you're kind of planning out your content making sure that what you put out is actually really important for the business rather than just reams and reams of more content and that definitely um, applies to social media and, and the fact that you can just push more and more and more content out on social but is there a reason for that? Thank you, Alex. That is fascinating. Uh, something certainly that has given me a new element to my eco guilt. Uh, but it's good to know that there are places to go to reduce the footprint for businesses. Definitely. Cheryl, let's move more broadly um, into the future of digital. Do you think digital marketing will change and affect small businesses more in the future? Is there much more to do? Well, digital marketing is changing all the time um, in any case. But I think we probably haven't really seen anything at all from digital. Uh, if you think how young it is as an industry, there's going to be a lot of changes with time goes on. And I think one of the key changes is I think it's going to become more and more of a, a skilled um, piece of work. And I think the expectations of the consumers of social media, for example, will grow with time. And I think it's always a challenge for a small business owner to create that kind of effortless post that looks like has kind of happened on its own, but actually it's probably taken hours to set up and get everything in the right place. And I think, you know, that that's along with the fact that I think data is going to become more important as, as more and more people are connecting on social media, we're going to need to be much more targeted and we're going to need data much more in order to be able to um, really focus our time and our efforts on different areas that are actually going to work for us. Um, so yes, I think there'll be a, a lot of changes afoot in the next few years. And for you as a business, do you find it's more easy now to demonstrate ROI? That you know, There was a case five, 10 years ago where businesses were going, well, what's the ROI on that tweet? I think it's a lot easier to argue the case, definitely. Although um, what we find with a lot of our clients from a social media perspective is that we wouldn't necessarily expect to see a direct line between you know, a social media post and sales. However, what we do see is that when we are doing very focused social media, we will get more sales through other methods. So it's also about having that faith really that you know, the, the brand is being built and it is supporting the other more sales generation efforts in their work. A question for you, Cheryl or Alex, because I know you work heavily in this space. Um, Greg mentioned that digital would not replace the skill and the craft of the work that they do with physical wood. Um, would digital ever replace traditional marketing tactics? Yeah, um, I'm thinking actually of a, an example. Um, we were in the office, a, a digital marketing um, department sat in the office and one of our, our marketing managers um, came in and she was incredibly excited because she'd been sent this piece of post by Land Rover. Um, and it was a, um, a, a really beautifully presented kind of thin box with a, a, 
a Land Rover button in the middle and you, you kind of press it and and it lights up and it, it tells you all about their new cars and things. And, you know, we're sitting there creating email marketing campaigns and social media campaigns, and we're all massively excited about a box. Um, and I think it is because it's just something you you don't necessarily see anymore. And um, it's something I think we're missing, that kind of tactile element of digital isn't there in the same way as as more traditional marketing. So I don't think that digital will ever completely replace traditional marketing. But I do think that the key thing that makes digital so much more appealing to marketing managers and to businesses is that you can track it and you know exactly who's opened your email and how many times and where they've clicked. Whereas with this this box from Land Rover, they're kind of just hoping that someone, firstly, it gets delivered to the right door um, and that someone picks it up and it, you know, and that someone looks at it um, and they can't track that. Julian, future future wise you know what is a small business supposed to do when faced with an overwhelming number of platforms software tools t- devices to uh, buy and embrace where should they start and what sort of world should they expect to find themselves in once they're through that journey well i'd i'd say the first thing is that you know digital will never replace everything uh, that's the point, and nor should it. Um, digital is there to, as I said before, to enhance what you're currently doing, make you more efficient, make you more, your business more effective, um, and allow you to concentrate on the things, as I said before, that humans are, <laughs> you know, meant for. Um, so I, I, I think the, the the point is it's about balance. Uh, it, it's about. Um, you know, understanding where digital can have the most impact in your business first and starting there. So if you face a particular challenge, I mean, you know, many small businesses as they grow, um, you know, everything they were doing is, is you know, is, for example, financial processes like, uh, you know, claiming if you're VAT registered or, you know, keeping expenses, you know, uh, having an enormous amount of paper around if you can replace that with uh you know with uh with with a digital system that captures it which most online financial systems for example do for you these days or can do for you then in, inevitably you're you are helping the environment you are obviously helping your your business you'll be being more efficient you know so i i think it's really just understanding where digital will have the most impact on your business at any moment in time. So you start there first. What's your greatest business challenge? What is there out there that can solve that challenge? Implement that, get used to it, uh, and then move on to the next challenge. And Greg, in terms of the future for your business, how do you see it? And will digital play a part in that? Is that a main part of it? What's the vision? Well, I think definitely uh digital has been the, the transformation it's it's the reason that our, our business exists uh, really and what we've introduced to this industry um but in terms of our future it's probably going to be embracing more aspects of digital and what digital can do for us we we need to take this now and connect with other people in the industry we need to uh, make our voice heard and find real genuine connections where we are an appropriate fit for new customers, new clients. Um, Alex referred to humanizing digital, and that I think really is our challenge now. Uh, We're producing a lot of material. We can, as you say, we can operate very visually, connecting people with what we're doing. It's a fantastically visual, sumptuous kind of uh, thing to look at. But finding ways to connect with people uh, authentically and and using digital for that is going to be a a big challenge for us in the coming year. And is the globe... The world, your oyster. Are you seeing uh, customers from abroad coming to you at all? Uh, yes, we've got some uh, sort of contact with uh, with people internationally on, on what we're producing because at this stage, it's really the level of excitement it's generating and what's possible. Uh, we're certainly working on pieces live at the moment. Uh, far from being local, it's spread across the UK. 
and I would expect that to continue. And that's that's a big part of what digital offers is is that that capability. Very exciting. So all of you are digital passionate. That's clear. Alex, first of all, what would you say? What would you really want to leave listeners with on the subject of digital? Yeah, I mean, for me, the final word would be measure and test everything that you do. Um, digital is all about measuring and testing. It's an incredible discipline because you can track everything you can track your likes conversions page views and tracking that properly means that you can make better business decisions in the future and test how well things work whether that be testing content in a paid ad testing how well a a contact form performs and my advice would just be ensure that you have tracking set up properly every platform that you need and if you don't feel confident there definitely delegate that to someone who knows what they're doing I think I would say um, don't be disheartened if it all seems so far from where you are now and so hard and such a big topic. You know, I think if you spend sort of five, ten minutes a day learning one new thing, that within a couple of months you can be in a position to um, understand better digital marketing and how it works and how it can support your business to achieve your goals. It really is to embrace digital. It, it, it's there to, uh, it, as I say, it's there to enhance your your business. It can transform your business, as it has done with with Greg. Well, I'd just say, don't be limited by where you look for digital to make an impact in your your business or or, or your activity. I think what we're producing at the moment is is possibly a good example of of just how far-reaching digital can be, bringing innovation and efficiency and and transforming what you're capable of achieving. Thank you all very much. Julian Mobbs, Greg Meeson, Cheryl Luzet and Alex Ead. Thank you very much. I'm off to type something into the computer and call myself a digital business. And don't forget to subscribe to the Business Ready podcast for the London Business Hub on your usual podcast provider so you don't miss an episode. And we'd love it if you could leave a review. It makes it really easy for the podcast listener to find. And if you want a little extra help with your business, the London Business Hub is here to help. Whether you're just starting out or looking to grow, you can access a range of free support programs, expert advice and business workshops. Go to businesshub.london. We'll be back next time with an episode about business resilience and recruitment with more SME owners and experts. I'm Penny Haslam. Thanks for listening.